Hey everyone, welcome to Flywheel Pod, your number one source for everything cracks, DeFi, and everything in between. If you want to know what's going on in the world on chain, you've come to the right place. This is DeFi Dave here with Capital K. We're here to help you harness the power of the flywheel. And speaking of flywheels expanding, we had on Mr. Scoopy Truples, uh, who the founder of Alchemex, who recently had a very interesting call for comment in the Alchemex forum to uh, further integrate Frax into their architecture. Um, and it was quite the fruitful conversation. Um, we saw it a few days ago on Twitter and in the forum, and I was like, we need to have Scoopy on ASAP, and we need to have him on on Halloween, because it would only be fitting <laughs> for having him on, on Halloween. So, Kit, what are your thoughts on the episode? I think this was a very, very special episode with Mr. Truples, and I feel like he came on and laid it into us on the questions he had for yeah, his community. Like he really... Up. He really represented his community's interests, kind of shared Alchemix's philosophy on their operation and things of that nature. And I'm, I'm very excited. I really do hope the partnership materializes and really goes yeah. far. It was a very constructive, diplomatic conversation with bits and bits of alpha sprinkled in between, which I think the viewers and listeners will really value and enjoy. Oh, you got to stay to the end for this one too. So you know, for those yeah, that stay like, to like, the like, end, like, like, like literally, like, like, like a pulse, like every like fifteen, thirty minutes, like just a little drop there, a little drop there. So you know, definitely want to listen to this one all the way through. And on this note, let's jump right into the episode. But before we jump in, make sure you smash that subscribe button and follow us at Flywheel Pod on Telegram and on Twitter. And don't forget to follow me at DeFiDave22. And follow me at 0x capital underscore K. Now let's get the flywheel spinning. Thanks everyone for joining this Halloween special of Flywheel Pod. Um, I am an Arizona iced tea can. And uh, Kit, what are you for I'm Halloween? I'm in my jujitsu gi. <laughs> Wait, what happened? <laughs> I'm I'm in my jujitsu um, gi. Jujitsu gi, yeah. And uh, today we have on one of the co-founders of Alchemix, Mr. Scoopy Truples. Uh, Scoopy Truples, how are you doing today? Happy Halloween. Uh, I'm doing fine today. Happy Halloween to you too. You can't see me on camera, but I have my Rahul Ligma outfit on. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, I will have a sip to that. Mm. To Raul, oh, that's honestly like there's probably so many Raul costumes out in SF and oh, all yeah, over. It's the yeah, lazy tech bro costume. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just in time for everybody that procrastinated on costumes and everything. Just bring a box. <laughs> just bring a box. Just bring a box. But speaking of Halloween and magic, we are here to talk about Alchemex and also. Uh, the recent request for comment that you posted a few days ago that caught the attention of not just the Alchemex community, the Frax community, but a lot of people outside of it. So to you know, just start this off, to you know, can you give a little bit of an intro about you know yourself, Alchemex, and you know what you have built for Alchemex over like the past year and, and a half. Yeah, um, so Alchemix is a project that um, was conceived and launched together with me and uh, my co-founders back in 2021. 
Um, before we launched, we, we noticed like, oh my God, the yields on DeFi are insane. Um, and, you know, being naively optimistic at the time, we thought, yeah, DeFi is going to kill, you know, TradFi because we got these awesome interest rates. What can we do with them? And when we were kind of brainstorming in the lab and stuff like that, uh, you know, we worked with many different models and eventually we, you know, a light bulb, we had a light bulb moment. It's like, and Alchemix was born. It's like, what if we could back, you know, um, stable coins by um, interest instead of debt, right? So kind of turning it on its head um, in that regard. And that's how self-repaying loans from Alchemix was born. Yeah, I remember how pissed off people from traditional finance Twitter were when they found out about <laughs> Alchemix. They're like, this yeah. has to be a scam. <laughs> but you're like, no, like, not only is it not a scam, there's actually a, a real-world equivalent to something like Alchemix, right? Yeah, if you're like a HELOC, right? Like a <laughs> line of credit type of thing. Um, that is is kind of like the TradFi analog to this, I would say. Um, <clears throat> the thing is, I think a lot of those people missed is that, you know, AlVSD and AlEth, they're, they're over collateralized, right? So like, you know, if the, the peg is lost, then people just can repay their loans and get out of it. And like, you know, there's no harm. And the peg will anneal eventually, you know, so it's, it's, you know, we have other peg mechanisms as well, but, you know, because we are over collateralized, there's not a whole lot of risk to the, the, the integrity of the system itself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah. can you go over the evolution of Alchemex from like when you first launched, what the model was like and what adjustments you made and how it evolved to the Alchemex that it is today? Oh yeah, sure. Um, so when we first launched, it was, um, it was basically kind of like our prototype. We were a, an unfunded team. Uh, everybody was just like volunteering and we thought we had something that was good enough to, to launch. Um, and then all of a sudden we saw massive adoption and, you know, uh, success that we had not really uh, anticipated whatsoever. Um, I mean, what, before we launched, like, you know, DeFi total TVL was under 10 billion. So we were thinking, hey, you know, if we can get up to 100 million TVL, that'll put us in the top 10 of all DeFi protocols, right? <laughs> you know, so, and then all of a sudden, like, you know, two months after we launched, we're at like a billion TVL. And, you know, I don't think I was really prepared for that mentally at the time, like seeing that much money in our smart contracts. So I was like, oh my <laughs> this is a big deal guys so like you know we got you know we did all the requisite security stuff in there uh, while the audit was ongoing because we launched on audited because you know we, we we're not anticipating that we thought oh yeah we got 10 million tvl that would be cool right something like that but like um so we got like you know some pretty big like heavy hitters um uh to review our code um you know, from like the urine ecosystem and stuff like that. Um, and then we got audited. And then I started being able to sleep at night um, after everything came back clear. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, so we continued along with that. But you know how sometimes like the first thing, the first, you know, iteration that you launch is not really exactly like the, the actual thing you wanted. Mm -hmm. You kind of like cut some corners or you made some compromises in order to ship it. Um, and one of the things that the version one of Alchemix kind of lacked was that like the, the contract could only handle one asset and that's that, and it was an immutable contract. So we couldn't go in and upgrade it and then change things to it. Um, 
So with our version two, we tried to address some of the shortcomings of our version one, and it allows for uh, multiple collaterals to be added for AlUSD and AlEth, and then multiple strategies to hook into it. So we're, we're like kind of slowly building up a menu for our users to select a yield from DeFi. Um, next up is uh, we're going to be working with Vesper and getting uh, oh. Vesper Finance vaults cool. uh, integrated into Alchemix. We got uh, something working with Idle Finance. Uh, we'll be able to have general support for them, but they're also working on this thing called Clearpool, which is sort of like Very this cool. under collateralized um, lending facility. Um, and we're, we're going to trial that. We're probably not going to give it too much, um, you know, of a deposit, uh, you know, cap, a relatively small deposit cap, just because, you know, with everything that happened with C5 blowing up, uh, Celsius and, you know, mm -hmm. the like, um, people are understandably a little bit skittish uh, about un under or uncollateralized lending. So, but it's something I think is a neat experiment and that would be an okay, like, if, like, you know, less than 5% of value is collateralized by that, you know? Yeah. Along the lines of that. Um, and meanwhile, we are also looking at some other strategies um, that they, you know, and the research phase uh, internally, um, but hopefully we can uh, get those out sometime soon as well. Uh, yeah, uh, I have two immediate thoughts that come to my head. The first one is, you know, the when a protocol launches and you're like, oh, maybe, Maybe we'll reach this goal, you know, maybe we'll do all right. And then it, like, exceeds beyond expectations. I feel like that happened with a few of our past gets, like, Redacted and Olympus. Like, like what was, like, the massive success, like, they had at first. It was like, whoa, like, and they were just, they were thinking, like, the builders on the inside are like, okay, like, is everything safe? Is everything secure? Like, what was it like when you guys were getting all that hype? Because I remember you guys launched at, like, Right after DeFi summer, it was like the beginning of 2021, I believe, and there was like a mm -hmm. certain magic around it. Like you had really good meme power with Alchemex yep. and everything, and everybody was just really excited to ape into something new. And uh, they still had like that DeFi summer like residue hanging over. So what was it like um, at first, and how did you, how did you and your team handle like, you know, that first like ring of success, and then like you know things, of course, as they always do, level level off. Um, I. It was like, you know, like I said, it, like, it was a very intense time. Like, at one point, like, I was really, really worried about, you know, having all this TVL and having, mm -hmm. you know, uh, anxiety that comes along with that. Uh, but then it was also extremely exciting and fun to interact with people on Twitter and, you know, get this attention and be like the, the bells, the ball of D5, you know, for, for you know. Yeah. After we launched, not gonna lie, it was it was a nice thing. It kind of mm -hmm. maybe you know was too much of an ego boost at times, but <laughs> <laughs> it happens. Um, yeah, yeah, things have definitely leveled out, and uh, you know, yeah, we we've we've settled down, and we're 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 taking care of our mental health in the bear market, and we're building. Yeah, and everything that's what like bears that. are for. You know, bring us all back down to earth to relax a bit. Like I, I remember um, when this, um, yeah. Al Alchemix was, you know, just coming out, and it was, it had the perfect meme, right? 
a loan that repays itself right in the cusp of this little DeFi magic thing that we're all working in. And we're like, yeah. oh, loans that repay themselves makes sense. It totally makes sense in DeFi land. This so is what DeFi can power. do, guys. Exactly. This is what DeFi <laughs> can do. You know, but yeah. like, uh, you mentioned earlier, uh, Scooby, that you know, you're just one of, of many co-founders and you know, you're not the CEO per se. Could you share a bit more about the team and how that formation uh, took place? Um, yeah, so um, I was um, experimenting and playing around with various D apps as far back as uh, 2017, uh, back when I didn't understand what the gas limit meant on my MetaMask. Uh, I was like, I better crimp this up to three million. I want this transaction to go through fast. Like, why isn't it going? What you know, like things like that. So, you know, getting into Crypto Kitties, and then, you know, like in early 2018, I, I think. There was a lot of like these kind of like degenerate uh, dApps that were out there. Uh, some people might call them Ponzi's. Some people <laughs> might call them reverse pyramids. I don't really know. Um, but you know, just playing around and experimenting with some of these things kind of like you know started like you know tickling my mind, so to speak, of like the the various different cool things and mechanisms that you could design and. While I was, you know, uh, participating in these discords, I made a number of friendships with uh, a bunch of other people who, uh, you know, were there. And, um, you know, then we, kept, we kind of splintered off and kept on thinking, oh, let's make this project. Oh, let's make this project. And we had like probably a good five projects that we started that didn't end up, you know, getting very far. And then eventually it was like summer of 2020. Um, and a number of people who are sort of part of like this kind of like, you know, group who have been looking to make dApps, we, we came up with an idea and that we all thought was really strong and sound. And that was decidedly like a good thing. Like it wasn't like some degenerate Ponzi or anything like that. And something we all felt really good getting behind. Um, and that turned into alchemics. Um, and that's, you know, uh, people from like people who are more like opset community who like run like somebody or uh, Co-founder Gorby is uh, in charge of doing our Discord and securing uh, a bunch of stuff mm -hmm. in OPSEC. Um, and he's also like a really strong like adversarial thinker and helps us with mechanism design and stuff like that. We had uh, myself. Um, yeah, we had um, another dev who, uh, yeah, a, a few other Solidity devs as well as a part of that group. And, you know, we, we pulled together and wow. we were able to launch, um, you know, Finally, <laughs> friends After who made yeah. the failed, uh, you know, you know, experimentation and you know, planning. So it was good. Yep. It's about the friends you make along the way that become your builders by your side. Yeah, that. I mean, if anybody out there is a prospective builder, yeah, make relations in like you know the the telegrams and the discords, and, and you know, and then you know, form your own group. That's probably the best way. You know, instead yeah. of. You know, mm -hmm. first coming up with a pitch deck and then trying to build a team. I think it's better to, you know, start with, you know, build a team before anything even exists right, and right. come up to, uh, with ideas together. Yeah, you got to find the, the people team? that will grind it. Hmm? Uh, how large is the no, team? How big is the be? team? Oh, how large is the team? Um, so it was originally five co-founders. Um, and right now we're up to like... Um, like eight full-time people on Alchemics, and we have a number of uh, part-time DAO contributors uh, that are like uh, on our coordinate. 
Do you guys know what that nice. is? Yeah, yeah. no, yes. I, it's, I'm a big fan of Coordinate. Yeah, so basically, yeah, we, we give a, you know, our community builders and DAO members like sort of like a, a fixed budget. And then based on their contributions, they award each other these tokens and then they get a, a proportional payout for a, based on their contributions. And, and that's worked really well. Uh, yeah, no, I was going to say, say, like, it's really important to find friends and people to build with you that you know that will, like, stick with you through the tough times and the bear. Because it's, like, easy when you, like, you find someone and, like, make a pitch deck, raise money. But, like, if things get tough or things get a little fragile, like, you want people by your side that, you know, that will stick it out with you rather than just, you know, yeah. go away. It's not always sunshine and rainbows. It's not, you know, there's like a that, lot of stuff in the background, yeah. But I think sometimes, like, you know, having, like, a diverse group of people, um, you know, and lots of voices is a good thing. It ultimately makes you stronger, even if there is, like, you know, some inefficiencies that come along, uh, you know, with such a structure. Yeah. It's finding, like, the right balance of people, um, like, that, you know, will contribute, but also, like, not having too many chefs in the kitchen. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. I bet you... You guys must have grown a ton, right? Going from zero TVL to a billion TVL, now back to kind of where you guys are. Like, what were some of your biggest pain points kind of going through this period? Um, kind of like the burden of expectations from the community, I think it was probably one of the hardest things to, to grapple, um, you know, like development timelines, like internally you think, oh yeah, we're going to get this out in the next three months. And then you hit a snag in development in the middle of it. And then things start taking longer than you expected. Um, and I think like when that happens um, and the community is expecting something big because you've communicated with them and trying to be open with them about, you know, what's going on. Then they're like, come on, when are you guys going to do this? When launch, when this next thing, you know, and I think that that's kind of like a, a tough thing to juggle um, is trying to like, you know, be open with the community uh, and managing expectations for them at the same time. Um, I think, yeah, that's that's one of the biggest hurdles, I think, for sure. Um, another one is definitely um, putting into place, you know, security best practices and sticking to them um, and, and making sure that we, we safeguard everyone's, uh, you know, funds. Um, yeah, what are the... What are some of the security practices that you guys do? Yeah, so when anything is um, has gotten to, like any smart contract has gotten complete, we then write a, a whole suite of tests with that includes uh, fuzzing as well. Um, and then that gets reviewed What's uh, fuzzing? by all the security developers um, on our team. What was that? I said, uh, what was fuzzing? What's fuzzing? Um, so fuzzing is like running a bunch of like uh, like different possible scenarios and simulations uh, on the smart contract to see if there's like any edge cases that that pop up or you know if you're using like some advanced math formulas um, in in the smart contracts um, like because of you know just the way that like code works if a number like kind of goes under or above a certain threshold it can you know brick the contract. So by, by testing for those things and, and finding out like where the instabilities may lie, um, we can then go back and iterate and, and, and account for those things. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So we do that. Then we have um, our, you know, our Solidity developers all then review each other's code 
And um, if it's like something small um, or like just an iteration of something that's already been audited, uh, usually that's, you know, uh, something we can just roll out from that point on. But if it's some type of new code um, that hasn't been done before, hasn't been deployed before, it does get audited. Um, and we have a strong relationship with uh, Runtime Verification, which is one of the, the uh, leading auditing firms in the space. And we've also used uh, Code Arena as well. Code Arena, yeah. I feel like a lot more people are using Code Arena every day. Um, I think they have a pretty cool model with like all their wardens and then the competition. And it seems like a really good supplement to like all like the auditing that a lot of protocols do already. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we've, been, we've been pleased with everything. Um, and to date, we, I mean, we had one incident um, when we launched uh, AlETH uh, last year, but users did not lose any funds in that incident. It was just the protocol. Um, so to date, we have not had any user funds be compromised at all. And that's something I'm very proud of. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, one thing I, I was going to ask too was, in theory, could Alchemex plug into any interest-bearing protocol? Um, um, so with Alchemix, the way that our, our V2 is, is working is that we, we make a few assumptions that like the stable coins that we put in are worth $1, right? So we, you know, we assume that DAI is going to be worth $1, USDC and USDT are going to be worth $1. And then when we um, assess for risk and uh, this determine which uh, types of vaults that we can accept, uh, the one major requirement that they have to have is a strong assurance of up only. So if we're going to be doing like we that kind of restricts us to things like urine, things like Ave and other like kind of yield aggregators um, that are out there uh, and kind of doesn't allow us to do things like you know, Delta, ne uh, Delta neutral vaults because those can incur losses. Mm. Uh, this yeah. is something that we are actively looking at trying to remedy um, going forward. Uh, but I really can't talk about it much more than that at the uh, moment. It's, it's so confidential. Yeah. Do you think it would be possible to have other strategies in the future, like whether they're delta neutral or not? Y yes. Uh, short answer is yes, uh, but I'm not going to get into why or how uh, I think so. Like, <laughs> got it. Got it. We'll, say, um, we'll save that for the next We'll save that for the next time. We'll save for, for V3, maybe coming. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, um, anyways, back. Yeah, we're, we're going to say. Actually, I did wanted to ask about your. Uh, Elixir AMO, like, could you share a little bit yeah, about yeah. that strategy and how, you know, you came about the AMO's um, architect? Yeah, so our original peg stability module was something uh, called the transmuter and it still does exist uh, and is used. Um, but basically the way that worked is that um, any interest that was repaid from, um, from like harvesting yield um, or any that, yeah, that was repaid from harvesting yield would go into the transmitter as well as anytime somebody repaid their loan using the collateral because you have the option to repay in the synth or the collateral. Um, and whenever that happens, it goes into the, the peg stability module, the transmitter. And at, at one point, the transmitter was sitting on like 200 million die. And uh, we, we were taking advantage of earning yield from it in yearn. But then, um, you know, after seeing you know, uh, Frax's AMOs, um, uh, the kind of the light bulbs went off and I was like, well, wouldn't it make a lot more sense if we just put that directly into our liquidity pools 
um, and that way we would, you know, only like we'd have a lot less pressure on our peg and we could use the, you know, instead of having this giant idle pool of capital sitting there, we could put it into the markets directly. Um, and then whenever needed uh, to adjust the peg, we can just withdraw it um, single sided um, to kind of balance it out and stuff like that. So, um, you know, that that's really been a big help. It allowed us to um you know defend the peg really effectively in the wake of uh you know terra luna going down um at that point like every decentralized stablecoin was taking a massive hit basically not because of mechanism design but because you know just confidence in, in decentralized stablecoins uh really evaporated at that moment and lps did not want to take the risk of uh you know being in those pools yeah, it really made a difference having protocol-owned liquidity, whether it was you guys or Frax, and like that really yeah. did went far away for defending each other's peg. Yeah, we had to contract our USD supply by, uh, I think it's about close to 130 million uh, due to um, you know the market drawdown and stuff like I, that. I think Frax contracted 1.5 billion from yeah. its all-time high. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, like, like, yeah, yeah. Like, is like you know an order of magnitude bigger yeah, than economics at this point. Yeah. Uh, yes. And and Scoopy, um, just you guys are still going well. I think there's what 1.2 billion Frax still in yeah, existence. So like still by far like the second largest decentralized stablecoin like yeah. out there, with only Dai being bigger. Right, Scooby. Yeah, I just want to make sure like I'm, I'm clear about the, the. I'm sorry, Dave. I just want to make sure I'm clear about the Elixir AMO. Is that the initial die came from all of the collateral that the user used to mint LUSD, right? And then you were sitting on that die. Instead of putting it into Yearn, you decided to, hey, let me put it into Curve and pair it against LUSD. No, no, no. So it's only the the stuff that would go into the peg stability module. So that's um, repayments done on people's debt. Um, oh, okay. Done in the collateral. So whether that's from uh, earned interest or from people, um, you know, repaying their loan and die or, or or self liquidating because you can liquidate your collateral to repay your debt. So whenever those actions happen, it fills up our peg stability module. And then Understood. instead of having that deployed to Yearn, we then deployed that to our Curve Alios D3 pool. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. What I was going to say was I like how, you know, this how the stablecoin ecosystem is evolving and every stablecoin is having its place and, like, developing its own niche. And, like, you guys are definitely have developed your own uh, niche from the get-go with the self-repaying uh, loans and now how you guys have evolved since then um i think i was going to ask you though was um about what when you what about frax like struck you first as like a protocol and what did you like about it and like what what really caught your attention first about it um i i listened like i think it was back in 2020 um to the delphi digital podcast and sam was on there and talking to tom and, um, you know, I was impressed then and I thought like their model was really interesting and, and, and novel. Um, so 
like it was it was on my radar um, from that point on and you know I didn't get too much into it like I was busy trying to launch a protocol at that time um, but you know like part of you know my job and I, I do a lot of like a product development is to keep an eye on the space and see what people other like competitors are, are doing and um, when Frack started the AMO, like I, I was really intrigued by it. I didn't understand it at first, but then as like it all settled in, I was like, wow, this is really cool. I wonder how we can do it. And even though the answer was st staring me right at the face, like, you know, by using our PSM for doing that, um, <laughs> it took me a couple months to actually realize, oh, we can do this. Um, yeah, so uh, that's that's kind of, like what I, you know, yeah. what I thought about Frax. And I, I think what really made it appealing is how, you know, part of the stable coin design that I think is really understated or like, you know, not talked about enough is, yeah, it's important for you to be able to scale up and have mechanisms to do that, but it's also equally important to have mechanisms to scale down. Mm. And I saw the AMO as a way that could gracefully scale up and down. Um, yeah, yeah. So that that was kind of like my my main draw to wanting to adopt that model for Alchemix as well. Uh, yeah. So Scoopy, um, as more uh, people deposit into the uh, AlUSD three CRV pool, are you able to mint more AlUSD against that, just like how Frax does with the Curve AMO? No, no, we don't have that algorithmic okay. component in um, Alchemix. Once it's withdrawn, it gets burned. Um, but the thinking is if, if enough gets burned and the peg, you know, goes back to, to one to one, um, that when, or if LUSD starts going over peg again, then people will naturally start you know, you know, taking advantage of this arbitrage and in doing so it will refill our peg stability module, which will allow us to then, um, add it back into our AMO. I see a flywheel here. Definitely. So definitely. it's pretty resilient. Uh, you know, if we scale down really hard, there's avenues to scale back up. It's not quite as you know automatic as, as Frax is. Oh, it's over a dollar. Oh, let let's add some more to the pool type of thing. But you know, like it, it's a little bit slower. But it's still, in theory, very similar. It it allows us to meet demand essentially. Yeah, like what you said. Like not only do you need to build mechanisms to scale up. But it's important to think the other way and scale down. I feel like a lot of protocols just think growth, 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 growth. And then you have situations, whether it's like Luna or Iron or like all the other stable coins that are no longer with us, rest in peace. They all thought about just growing, but they didn't keep in mind of like, you know, up, up doesn't last forever, as we all learned. Right. And, you know, and using like an exogenous collateral like Luna to collateralize UST, yeah, it, you know, it created the death spiral because their, their mechanism for contracting, you know, destroyed their, their token value, yeah. which was right. the back it. So when, it just got uglier and uglier as it went down. When the whole, when Luna was on its, you know, come up and like even before then, like what were your thoughts on Luna and then like seeing it like have its dramatic rise the way it did, like where you're like, Oh wow! Like, is there something here where you like sketched out? Like, what were your initial thoughts going on around that? Um, I had known about Luna and Terra uh, way back when, when it, before UST existed. It was just Chai, 
Um, and I, I was listening to a podcast, uh, the Epicenter podcast, um, which is like a kind of like, you know, Cosmos, you know, ecosystem maxis kind of like, uh, run that. And even they were really kind of pressing, um, you know, the, 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 I, I don't know if it was Do Quanover or somebody else who was on that podcast, um, but pressing them about their model and, and, you know, the, the, the Terra people were just like, yes, we will create demand for it, and that's what will back it is demand. And I'm like, and they made the point that well, demand only works when it's increase. That only works when like you know you're growing, right? Mm -hmm. If there's a drop in demand, then it would cause a death spiral. So like I had in that death spiral in mind for, for from like a very early period and. And that's why, um, you know, despite our community loudly crying for us to get UST on Alchemix, um, our team was, was very much against it um, because, you know, like we wanted to take a wait and see approach. Could it withstand a bear market? If so, then their mechanism design would be validated and our fears would go away. But when the bear market struck, it was the first thing to go. Um, yeah. So I I think that that wait and see approach really really panned out. I mean that that's kind of my approach for a lot of these like alt you know EVM chains and you know and like you know Ethereum competitors and stuff like that. It's like yeah yeah things are good in a bull market. Let let's see how things shake. You know when when the shit hits the fan, who's going to remain standing? And then whoever is, then, you know, those will be, like, you know, the, the people who will stick around long-term and the ones who are worth building with. You can say that it pays to be patient. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, yeah, sometimes we, we uh, our processes are a little bit slow um, at Alchemix, but we've, as a result, dodged a few bullets because of it. <laughs> no, like we were yeah. going to get a, um, we had a, a plan to integrate into Rary Fuse. Um, oh. And it was starting to take shape. And then the Rary Fuse, like, you know, <laughs> E3 entrancy attack happened. And uh, like, well, no more. <laughs> Good thing that this took a, an extra month longer than we were expecting. <laughs> so, yeah. with, yeah. I know you guys were affected by that, but again, like, you know, yeah, your I mean, mechanism design is so strong that, you know, you're able to more or less shrug that off. You're more or less able to shrug off, you know, the four pool integration with, you know, Terra. Yeah, uh, we got well. real lucky with that, that it didn't get too big, that integration. Yeah. Yes, for sure. Yeah. I mean, but, I, um, I can see it in, in yeah. your community, right? with all the proposals you guys have that your community is actually quite vigilant and they're, they're they care a lot about Alchemist's success and they take a very stringent approach to all kind of partnerships or, or large changes. But I see here that you have a recent proposal uh, regarding the Frax base pool AMO. Do, would you be able to kind of share a little bit to the audience and talk about that? Yeah, so right now um, the AlUSD AMO um, is is uh, routed through our AlUSD three curve pool um, that has in total um, about a hundred and five million TVL, of which the AMO is about forty five million of that that total chunk of liquidity. So that's about what forty percent or so of that, uh, which allows us to really defend the peg all the way down to like a tiny supply. Um, 
but one of the problems with um, the, the three curve pool um, is that we are completely on the hook for uh, incentivizing it. Um, so we're incentivizing, but as a result, we're also incentivizing DAI liquidity, USDT uh, uh, you know, liquidity, and USDC. So um, the big difference there, if we work with uh, Frax BP instead, then you know Frax will you know like actually work together with the protocols who are supporting it and its liquidity, and pitch in some to the incentives. Um, and they do, and you know if I'm wrong about this, uh, correct me. But um, it's like there's like a set budget for how much um, you know. FXS uh, bribes go out, um, and that's based on the uh, the relative uh, amount of frax base pool tokens that are locked in your liquidity pools. Sounds um, about right. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. So like, instead of us paying a hundred percent for all of the liquidity, you know, and all of dies and USDCs and USDTs liquidity as well, um, we would be paying, you know, definitely the majority. Um, but not like an overwhelming majority if we were working yeah. with Frax instead. You get a so, pitch, basically, into it. Yeah, yeah it's, um, yeah, it's it, basically... It makes economic sense to, to team up and pair with Frax, and and it's it's my personal opinion that Frax has passed the test, um, and they've proved uh, themselves to be a you know reliable and resilient um, protocol. Um Perfect. Sam, make sure you, you clip that, okay? And down, right? So <laughs> that, that's what makes me, me confident uh, by having like a deeper collaboration with, with Frax um, is be just because of how resilient it's been. Um, and, you know, like some people might be a little bit annoyed that they're not going to have as much, you know, liquidity to trade over to die or to tether. Um, but, you know, with how low uh, the fees are on Curve and how good DEX aggregators are, um, it's really a, a trivial concern at this point. You know, oh, instead of, you know, swapping 100 LUSD for 99.8, I'm going to be swapping 100 LUSD for 99.79, you know, because the fees. Like, it, it's, it's, it's a negligible difference, right? Yes. So... You know, uh, in terms of liquidity for the the frax, you know, base pool and just frax in general across the board, uh, every week we have this thing on our frax check called the peg check, where we check making sure that frax is still at one dollar no matter what, and obviously we go through the uh, homepage to see the peg, but we also go to Curve Finance and do a $100 million swap on FRAX into USDC. And we always receive like 0 0.9988 is like the lowest we ever got in terms of like the the peg kind of breaking. So the peg is strong there for all of the alchemix. The peg um, is strong. Community. Is that even in the midst of like the market turmoil? I think FRAX VP came after uh, the turmoil, but in, yeah. Oh, in terms of like the most recent term? Yes, absolutely. Even throughout this whole bear market, it was, it was just was 0 0.9988 was like the floor. So the... Yeah, this would be probably more for the Alchemics community because they, they sure. might not be as well versed uh, into, uh, into Frax. Absolutely. So the reason why, you know, Frax is able to do so effectively is because uh, 
Frax's largest AMO is called the Curve AMO, which essentially houses the Frax, 3, uh, Frax plus 3CRV, which is USDC, USDT, and DAI, which is what LUSD is currently being paired with. Now, the way the AMO operates is that as more 3CRV is deposited into the pool, Frax can then mint more Frax into that same curve pool. So now that there's always this ratio balance in, so as it ratches it up, just like what Scoopy said earlier, we can kind of match it. And as it winds down, we can also take it out and burn it. So that way we can both scale up and scale down accordingly to whatever the market factors are. And there are no human, you know, kind of interaction and dictating that, oh, we need more frags. Let's take more risk. No, it's based on this, um, an algorithmic market operation to execute on the curve AMO. Yeah, it uses the protocol to maintain peg. Mm-hmm. Correct. That's how I put it simply. Yeah. And, and an- another piece is that um, although there is 1.2 billion FRAX outstanding, a large majority of that is actually owned by the FRAX protocol themselves, right? I, I believe only 500 million of the outstanding FRAX are like outside of the uh, protocol owned. Uh, liquidity across the AMOs and, and things of that nature. And it is impossible for that 500 mil to come in and break the pool because there isn't 500 mil out there. Uh, there's more liquidity in the pool to absorb all of that. So th- the pool will never be drained. It's essentially what the, the point of that outstanding frax is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, through this mechanism, if there is 500 million fracks out there that's not in the AMOs, that's 500 million fracks that other people have bought basically from the markets. Um, yeah. So that that just gives fracks a larger share of the, the the pools in the AMO, which makes them even more defensible. Correct. Absolutely correct. Yeah, and, and I, honestly, the mm-hmm. most important. I was going to say the most important thing for stablecoin adoption, honestly, especially right now in DeFi, is collaborations like this, collaborating you know, with other protocols, whether it's Alchemix or Olympus or other, other ones, because at the end of the day, DeFi is still pretty small, uh, especially like right now. And it's a lot more conducive for everyone to work together, see where the money levels fit, rather than have this like, you know, winner-take-all mindset. And this is what like, really stuck out to me about like, your request for comment here. And like what you proposed uh, with, you know, using Frax BP instead of the three pool and also using Frax as actually collateral now for ALUSD. Yeah, to me, uh, especially the Frax BP AMO um, seems like it's a very much a win-win scenario. Um, We get assistance with liquidity provisioning. Um, and in return, you guys get, um, you know, an increase in the total supply of, of Frax because we're helping to create demand for it as well. So I, I think that that right there just, you know, is really good because it, it's mutually beneficial. And then, uh, like, you know, the logical conclusion is like, hey, if we're going to be pairing, you know, the lion's share of our liquidity with Frax, I mean, why wouldn't we then accept Frax as a collateral? Now, um, like, I'm not sure if you guys um, are, like, uh, an asset on on Aave as far as um, being, like, a, um, 
I think we are. We are. Or something like that. I'm not sure if you guys are borrowable or collateral. Yeah, we are. We are. Okay, we so are. that would be one integration that we could do. I, I don't think you have like a, a yearn pool that's just naked fracks. It, it, there's various fracks, you know, liquidity pools. Yeah. But there, I don't think there's a naked fracks uh, uh, vault yet. But then also Vesper is an integration that's mm-hmm. going to be out of the, you know, woodwork very soon. They have a frax pool as well. So, or frax vault rather. Um, right. So what, about, think, uh, what about Frax Lend? Frax Lend? Yeah. Oh, um, I have not done a really big deep dive on Frax Lend, and um, I don't know uh, like about integrating Frax Lend just yet because any time that we uh, we we do like an integration, we have to make a you know specific adapter. We're hoping that this process will be a lot easier with widespread mm-hmm. adoption of ERC forty six twenty six. Um, but uh, we would have to do research and development in order to uh, get Frax Lend on. I think it will probably come. Uh, Frax ETH may come sooner than the uh, incorporation of Frax oh, with uh, Alchemix. I feel because you gotta have your Al ETH pair that up with Frax ETH and basically just run it back turbo with um, you know. The, oh yeah, what you, you gonna do with Al ETH? Frax ETH, yeah. I'm excited for Frax ETH. Um, that's a little bit out of scope for this current, uh, you know, of course. Re- uh, you know, request for comment. Um, but definitely it's something that's on my radar. <clears throat> Alpha. <clears throat> okay. Continue. <laughs> um, yeah. Cause I mean, I, like the mechanism design, let me, if I'm, let me try to recount it and correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. is that the Frax ETH by itself is not, um, a, you know, a yield bearing uh, token. Um, but that will be what's paired, um, in exchanges, so there'll be like a Frax ETH, ETH pool, you know, and stuff like that. Um, and in a way that that kind of takes care of a lot of the headaches that that Lido and our ETH have, because uh, when you're doing stable swaps and then you have a rebasing thing like ST ETH, you have to sync the pools, and that's like a big like pain. Um, and then if you have something like wrapped staked ETH or our ETH, and that's always going up relative to ETH, so then like the pool balance will get out of whack, and it'll be harder to really have deep liquidity for it. So I think the Frax ETH kind of takes care of that. And then in return, um, you know, you can deposit your Frax ETH into a uh, savings, you know, module or yield module, and then that will get all of the ETH to staking rewards. Uh, but since there is going to be so much liquidity in, you know, the pools to, to help peg it, and those aren't getting the the, the rebases, um, then the the frax ETH that's in this like yield module will be getting more than Correct. say Steeth or, or our ETH would yes. be getting. Always Correct. a boosted yield there. Yep. Always. Yes. And and so on top of I, that, I think that's a pretty powerful thing. Um, and if frax is, I, I think we would have to see like how well you guys are able to to peg the the frax ETH um before we could do you know sufficient risk assessment um of it uh, but Absolutely. you know we're, we're we're happy with it and satisfied by the performance and especially as things get closer to uh with withdrawals being enabled um mm-hmm. you know I, yeah. I think it is something that would be something yeah something that we would pursue the Frax ETH gauge on Curve was just approved earlier this week so you're going to get to see that flywheel happen yeah. right in front of your eyes uh probably in yeah. the next coming weeks 
Yeah, I I have no doubt that you know you guys have have come up with a you know a solid game plan around all that stuff. Got it. Yeah. Um, so, are, is there any other questions that your community would have? Uh, uh, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to ask. Our community so far has been a little bit skittish on the fact that Frax is, um, you know, under collateralized or fractionally backed. Um, so, like, maybe, like, I, I think some of that is, you know, maybe they don't understand the Frax design space so much, uh, or maybe they're they're using like outdated knowledge um, about Frax. Um, so, do you that guys think you could, you know, maybe soothe that fear um that some people in my community have yeah uh i actually well kid go ahead were you gonna say something no no take it away dave wait wait can you repeat the question one more time because i was actually reading the questions that your community had um but i would like to answer your question like the last thing i heard was like dispel any fears but could you yeah, repeat? so it's more about like fracks being, um, you know, fractionally backed or like you know somewhat under collateralized. Yeah, um, honestly, like to rehash uh, what Kit said earlier, um, you know, all you know, fracks has the liquidity backing it. Like that, even if all the fracks in circulation were to be swapped on curve, it would still maintain peg. And also, we have a saying at Frax, and what's been going around the Frax community and beyond that, even though Frax is partially collateralized, it's fully backed. So I like to think of all the different on-chain activities that Frax does on-chain, whether it's with the Curve AMO or, or other AMOs, and the profits generated from that and the revenues generated from that, those actions are actually backing the protocol as well. And with the collateral ratio, that is basically the market's um, psychological footprint in their confidence in Frax. And so, what, what is the yeah. collateralization ratio right now? Right now, it's 89%. at ninety-three. It went down. Eighty-nine percent. I, I, I went. It went to eighty-nine percent. I know. Wow. Okay. It was at ninety-three percent before. I know. I know. Wow, so this is like, a... Wow. Okay, so it went down a little bit recently. Yeah, yeah. and also um, there's like one last thing. Um, like Frax has always maintained peg. Frax has like proven itself to be Lindy, and you know Lindy has in itself has compounding effects, and its model has worked. Um, and it's you know receiving more and more adoption. It's basically it's got the uh, curve cosine to be a meta pool, and uh, it has enough of a cosine from you and the Alchemix team, um, you know yourselves to be having a request for comment like this. Hmm. I see. So. I see. Um, do you guys think that Frax will have a potential to become over collateralized in the future? Um, I think with Fraxland and the lending AMOs, like with those modules, it is over collateralized. So like with the lending AMO, it's basically the entire MakerDAO protocol in one AMO. So, you know, if there's more of a desire, you know, for like the, the, that type of Frax to be in circulation, then, you know, I can see the lending AMOs ramping up. I think one thing that there's that is a possibility in the future, if like Frax goes to 100 percent collateralized, um, there has been talk about that in the community, um, especially after like the whole Luna thing happened. Um, nothing concrete has happened yet, but I don't think it will ever be over collateralized. But there may be a future where Frax is 100% collateralized, but I'm not sure if that will happen. So for for me, what scenarios I, do you think would lead to 100% or greater than 100% uh, collateralization? Um, I think like just community input um, and what the community wants and feels comfortable with. 
Uh, wait, Kit, were you going to say something? Yeah, I was just going to jump in and, and add some color here. The the collateral that will be used for, like, say, Frax Lend is drastically going to improve that collateral ratio because those things, like Dave mentioned, would be over collateralized. And on top of that, the revenue and profit being generated by each of these new products, right, from Frax Swap to Frax ETH to Frax Lend and even Frax Ferry in the future, like, there could be a scenario where Frax's profitability actually, you know, keeps on stacking up the AMO and the treasury to actually grow to meet the Frax uh, outstanding supply, right? Because remember, the, the outstanding supply is the amount of supply that Frax does not own, the protocol. So Frax needs to beat that amount into its own uh, um, AMO and have enough to back that. So just, just putting that out there. So from profit from various or revenue from various streams, plus the addition of over collateralized lending on Frax Lend should or could push it over 100%. Correct. At scale. That, that, that's good. <clears throat> that's good to know. Um, uh, <clears throat> so and another, I think, big concern um, that's been mentioned in our community is more about like, you know, uh, regulations, because um you know our boy sbf and one of his uh in his now infamous blog post um he recommended um that every single uh, stable coin decentralized stable coin out there has to be over collateralized uh which would be the end of algorithmic stable coins um mm -hmm. if you know this provision uh gets put in uh, the legislation that he's pushing um, do you guys have any um, plans or contingency, uh, you know, plans uh, to deal with that if that does happen? Um, I can't speak for the FRAX team, but I can, like, share my personal thoughts on this. I think in the future it would make sense for fiat-backed stablecoins, so stablecoins that do touch the legacy system, like USDC, Tether, like, I could see them being regulated in the future in the same way that centralized exchanges are, you know, regulated. But when it comes to, you know, crypto-backed stablecoins that are 100% on-chain like Frax, you can argue in a sense that's a regulator's dream. You can see their collateral all right there. You can go and check. It's like basically like a, ch like a transparency check every block. Um, and so I, like, I, I don't really, and also with all this chatter, I don't really see any action yet. Like, yeah, like, you know, there's language in the bill, like, you know, drafts have coming out, you know, people like, likes to spread FUD on Twitter, get engagement, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's a sticky news story. It's, you know, it's a sticky meme. But really, no action has been taken yet. Um, I mean, yeah, it's, like, important to consider, like, okay, like, regulation, and it's being talked about. And I think it's up to us to, you know, make our voices heard in the relevant, you know, regulatory bodies and governments, whether it's in the U.S. or the EU, to, you know, educate them properly and support, you know, the proper lobbying and trade associations for example frax actually donated 60,000 frax to a coin center um recently in the latest gitcoin round so like backing you know the proper lobbying groups making sure you know mm -hmm. the right people are getting educated um but i'm i'm not as concerned about it as other people like i'm definitely aware of it but i think it's more important just to like focus on what's happening on chain and build and make the best products possible and actually and act in the best faith possible on chain and show like people from the outside like look what's happening on chain look what's you know 
look at all, you know, look at, you know, whether it's the you know, whether it's the good and the collaboration between like Frax and Alchemix that's going on, that's pretty cool. Or even if it's like the bad. I think like the the whole Faye saga that happened and it came to a compromise, like the fact that it came to a compromise so quickly, um, when it could have been dragged if it was in traditional finance, it would have been dragged out in courts for years. I mean Mount Gox is still going on. But the fact that it was, you know, it came to terms very quickly and, you know, all parties, like, you know, came to a compromise and it was over with, like, you sh I think that's quite impressive to regulators. So I'm definitely more an optimist, definitely more idealist in this. And, like, I think as long as, I think as we keep acting in good faith and showing, like, the good that DeFi can do, um, it just gives us more firepower when, like, those questions come along. Um, does that make sense? No. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, I'm going to push back just a little bit. Like, so one of the things that goes on in our internal process is like, if all of the worst things that could go wrong do go wrong, what mm -hmm. would be the outcome here? And that kind of informs a lot of our decision making. Yeah, um, yeah. it might be okay. a little bit like too paranoid and too scared. But yeah. what if regulators really do shit the yes. bed? And they, I, they say, you know what, no mm -hmm. algorithmic stable coin is uh, allowed for, you know, U.S. customers, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And, you know, like, you know, Let you me guys would either here. be forced to exclude all of USA or you would then, ha like, maybe make some changes to the protocol. Is there anything you guys could do in the protocol that could help you comply with that, that, you yeah. know, if such a stupid rule is made? Uh, I think I know what you're going to say, Kit, but I'll let you go ahead. Okay. Okay. So I just wanted to jump in and, and make a note. Um, mm -hmm. The majority of all of Frax's liquidity is on chain. Frax is not on centralized exchanges. So, you know, first of all, right there, there's no, quote, li risk of liquidity just being pulled and yanked out from underneath us. So it's like, you know, I that would say Frax's one commandment is everything's on chain. If Frax is a network state, the one commandment that all assets must be on chain. Yeah. So, um, so be, but, uh, because of that, that, that one point, Scooby. You could adjust, though, to get to 100% collateralization. Like, I know, like, I, I accept the argument that mm -hmm. everything's on chain, everything's transparent, yeah. and, and everything like that. But, like, is there. If you know, like, what if regulators don't buy that? What they're yeah. saying, you know, I, these are the rules. You know, you know. I was gonna okay to answer your question before. Like, let's say the worst case scenario happens: dollar stable coins are just banned. You know what? You know, you know, and it's the worst case scenario. That's what FPI is for. I think that's why FPI was created to have. If like, what we think of it as whether you know, if the post dollar world were to exist, like, what would be the stable coin of that? Or if like, okay, if we were to build a stable coin from the ground up, what would it look like? And it would be something like FPI, because the dollar already is loosely pegged to the consumer price index. So it makes sense to start a new stable coin um, that is, at first, it's just directly pegged to this consumer price index. But as, you know, governments gets more mature with it, you can actually, I imagine them adjusting the, you know, the methodology of it. So maybe, I always say like, maybe they take an Amazon.com AP, AP endpoint for electronics or cars.com API endpoint for cars. But in, in the future, if like all stable co dollar stable coins get banned, then I say FPI. And that, but if like they do any, but I'm not sure how they would, I feel like the US government only has domain over the dollar. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not sure, and also like EU is regulating 
like their plan regulation is for the dollar. And something like FPI or like other like non-peg stablecoins, whether they're Olympus or Rai, come out. Um, I'm not sure they, there's much to do to regulate them because they're pretty much their own sovereign currencies. Does that make sense? Yeah, th that all makes sense. Um, but I'm more like just thinking like if you want to keep fracks alive and compliant with, you know, such a thing, is there like, for example, would you be able to set the collateral ratio to 100 percent? Yeah. Yeah. Right. I think if like worse comes to like, if, like yeah, we do. The, the collateral requirements. Yeah. Yes. Yes. The answer is yes to that question. <laughs> OK. Yeah. So like, yeah. yeah. So if worse, if doomsday comes, you guys would be able to, you know, yeah know, comply um but the, the thing and, there uh, Scoopy, another uh, concern, and, and mm -hmm. it's not something that would be you know exclusive to frax it would affect the entire stablecoin space but what if you know usdc or tether starts using their blacklist on protocols <laughs> yeah what happens in those scenarios like that 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 i think is like the chief concern I don't think like any one protocol can really say like there's a definitive answer for how it would affect things or whatnot, um, and it's not something that's yeah exclusive to Frax. It would be for you know basically any protocol out there that uses stable coins. But is is yeah. like is that something uh, that's been thought about in the the Frax community? Yeah, Absolutely. So about. we actually track yeah, this metric called the decentralization percent and that denotes like what percent of the assets or the collateral backing frax is decentralized um right now we recently hit our all-time low of like around 14 percent but oh during the bull market it was up to like around 33 percent and that is you know your fxs your eth your any um non-centralized collateral backing the frax and moving forward again this is where Frax ETH, or rather uh, Frax Lend, would lend itself to getting improving that decentralization percent into you know a higher and higher higher number, because as more on-chain collateral is used to mint Frax rather than USDC, that decentralization percent is going to keep on going up. So there's absolutely a plan to keep on increasing that number until hopefully it breaches a hundred percent and everything is collateralized on-chain. And on top of that, you know, the um, FXS shares is literally being held across the board by a lot of other DeFi DAOs as well as one of their, their key holdings in their treasury. And also, like, Frax is literally spread across every single DeFi protocol out there. So every pool that has Frax in it, if Circle does go ahead and freeze and brick it, it would literally brick all of DeFi. So that is a very, very, you know, kind of existential threat if that were to happen honestly like it's such a misnomer to call frax and actually just straight up false to call frax wrap usdc it's really wrapped DeFi. frax is literally DeFi stablecoin it's backed by all these different protocols all the amos at work and all these you know and it's li literally serving to back frax and you know, I think that's why that's what Sam was thinking. The team was thinking when they designed the AMOs. It's like, how can we best integrate all these different protocols? And you know, like you said, like if Circle or Tether or like any entity were to do anything, they would have to blacklist DeFi in order to blacklist Frax because Frax is just DeFi stablecoin.
And and what's the point of having so on-chain? Like an unwinnable game of whack-a-mole. Whack-a-mole, yeah. Whack-a-protocol. And what's the point of Circle having their own crypto stablecoin if DeFi is dead? It would just be centralized exchanges trading USDC, right? That kind of defeats the purpose of, of having um, USDC to begin with. US dollar coin. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, it's something I heard that's interesting. I'm, so I'm at, in Lisbon right now for ETH Lisbon, and I was having conversations with people. And because yield rates are so high, what's been something that's been talked about is like, will these centralized exchanges, whether they're like Binance and maybe FTX or someone, like pass the treasury yield like directly to their users? And like that will be like a new type of farm. Like people can just like deposit their like centralized stablecoin in the exchange and boom, they like earn yield that way. I don't I, I thought that was interesting. That's, I don't know what you guys think. That was proposing to do with their yes. PSMs is yeah. to go on Coinbase and Gemini and essentially become Frax like except with CFI instead of DeFi. Yeah. Yeah. Which that's is also one of the reasons that I was kind of um, interested in adding Frax is because well, Dai is going undergoing these changes to become more centralized, and then you know possibly also allow it to go off peg. Yeah, um, I was going to ask you about that too. Like, what are your thoughts on like that proposal? Like for facts, for I mean, for Dai to possibly go off peg. Well, like, earlier in this podcast, I said we make a, a couple economic assumptions, and that the stable coins that we select are assumed to be one dollar, and if. Um, you know, Dai does go off peg and they let it drift, um, then it will no longer be a, a suitable collateral for Alchemix. Um, and then in that world, I, I would not want to see Alchemix that's only, you know, borrowable using USDC and uh, USDT. I'd much rather have a decentralized stablecoin option for our users. Um, you know, from both a, like a protocol resiliency standpoint, but also, um, you know, just to give our users choice if they don't feel comfortable using, you know, fiat coins. Um, I'm also looking uh, at, you know, you had the proposal for the request for comment. Your community made like a few comments to it. And one interesting one I've seen right here is, uh, you know, Frax is a partially backed from uh, Boss007. Uh, he said, uh, you know, Frax is a partially backed token where FPI is fully backed. Would we? It, would it be better to add FPI to the protocol as well? Like, have you thought about that too? Have you considered that as well? So FPI would not work for an Al USD collateral because of what I said. The economic assumption. Oh, sure. Not one dollar. One. Yeah. Um, you know, whether or not we can do something with FPI in the future, I'm going to leave that open for possibility. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, there's no, no, I mean, I want to give you guys cryptic hints like, oh yeah, we're planning this. I'm just saying our design mm -hmm. space should expand going forward, which will mm -hmm. allow us to um, try out and integrate different things. I like the sound of that. Oh, you know, experimentation, but with patience. You know, um, yes. Scoopy, I, I want to ask you, um, but they're, they're a little bit too early to talk about at this moment. So, yeah, got it, got it. I, I wanted to ask you, Scoopy, what does success look like for our USD for you? Uh, okay, so for for us, our USD success 
would be broad adoption in DeFi. So, you know, getting those key integrations um, on lending protocols that can help to drive demand for AlUSD. I think at this point that we um, are, are, you know, you know, the, the market has a, a good amount of confidence in AlUSD. Um, if you look at the uh, interest rates um, on, you know, convex, uh, what you can mm-hmm. get, you notice that the, the stable coins that are deemed as riskier require a higher APY mm-hmm. uh, for people to invest in them. And the ones that are seen as more trustworthy or safe uh, can get away with having a lower APY. And um, so, like, imagine this is a spectrum. Um, you, you've got, like, you know, three curve, which has, like, you know, very little APY, but has a mm-hmm. giant chunk of liquidity. You have Frax, who has... You know, you know, on the lower end of APY now, um, but still has been able to maintain a lot of sticky liquidity. Your LPs have not left, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that balance out the other side. Um, and AlUSD is a little bit behind you guys. You guys, I think, are somewhere in the two percent. We're somewhere in the three percent. And then you kind of go down the list, and then you look at something like uh, MIM, mm-hmm. and they're like routinely over ten percent. Um, uh, so they have to pay a lot more for their liquidity. So, you know, gaining that Lindy effect you know, where people can feel safe and comfortable that our pegging mechanisms will work and that they're, you know, they're, they're comfortable LPing with us. That's one, uh, you know, area of success. The other, yeah, is like more uh, integration into lending protocols like Aave, maybe Frax Lend. I don't know. <laughs> um, that, that would be something that would be really cool. Huh. Um, but... In the end, you know, these protocols were, you know, were, were endeavors uh, that are looking to, you know, make a return, um, so to speak. And I think that if we get to the point where the um, emissions that we spend on AlUSD are less than the uh, revenue it generates, that is also success there and we're very close to so the the amo some weeks were you know profitable versus um you know our incentives that we dole out other weeks were a little bit under um mm-hmm. so we're really close to, to reaching that point where we're right you know, there we, we could indefinitely sustain this got it do you guys sell Flex your CRV CRV and CRV CRV? Right. what was that do, do you guys sell your uh cvx and crv or do you just relock it to amplify the voting um, right now, we lock um, half of what we we uh, what we earn uh, from CVX and Curve, and we're we use uh, Staked DAO's liquid lockers, uh, so SD oh, Curve gauge okay. to uh, influence the, the the gauge that way. And yeah, Staked DAO's awesome. So yeah, shout out to them. Um, and so we do that, and the other half is um, becomes like you know treasury assets. Um, you know, and whether Got we it. diversify those into stable coins or other strategic assets is kind of like up to, you know, the uh, the treasury team. Uh, right now, we um, we passed a, uh, a proposal to accumulate uh, YFI uh, in anticipation for their VYFI uh, things because we're so uh, intertwined with Yearn mm-hmm. by having the YFI you know, boosts and the the perks that come along with uh, with that. We can then pass those on to our users. So that's one way that we're diversifying our treasury. Um, and then it also, you know, if we, you know, 
Like we, we're we're fine on runway and enough to pay everybody, but if we need to start selling that that curve or CVX for you know stable coins for you know for stuff, we can do that as well. So, got it. Yeah. Um, what does the Alchemix Treasury currently look like? Like, what do you what assets do you hold mostly in it? Um, yeah, so probably our biggest holdings right now are um, SD Curve Gauge and CVX tokens. Mm-hmm. Um, that accounts for about half of our uh, non ALCX treasury holdings. We have a very healthy uh, chunk of ETH that is uh, protocol owned liquidity, not controlled like the AMO, but owned. And then that is um, uh, actually uh, helping us to supply liquidity for Al ETH. Right. So mm-hmm. instead of just having it sit idle in there, we're, we're putting it into our, um, we have half of it in uh, the convex Al ETH pool or curve Al ETH pool and then the other half on optimism with a uh, Velodrome. Ooh, um, interesting. Yeah. Yes. And that's also another thing that we've made strategic investment into is Velodrome. Uh, and we think that they're really cool. It's like a, it's essentially curve, but with a, um, it's a much more open framework. You don't have to get like approvals for gauges mm-hmm. and the way they do their incentive, uh, their like protocol fee payouts is based on like the, if you vote for a pool, then your payout is relative to the volume that pool gets. And I think that's a really smart thing because, you know. So you're uh, a fan of the solidly forks? Yeah. I, I, think it's good I like Velodrome. They're, they're a really good Velodrome. team. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, they are a good team. They're great to work with. They, they gave us a, a Alchemix, a, a VNFT to start out with. And, you know, and we didn't really pay much attention to it except like, okay, we'll vote for our, our tokens over there. And then... Um, we started noticing like how, how good it was, uh, you know, um, and it started taking off a bit more. So we decided to, uh, invest a bit more into it. That's cool. Like how it proved itself over time. I, I believe the same thing happened with Frax as well. Um, like Velodrome, like really pivoted and centered themselves as like the community, you know, AMM for optimism and like everybody can win. Everybody can earn rewards too. Um, and I think it, it was the solidly done right. Finally. Yeah, it was solidly without all the Andre drama. Yeah. Yes, it was drama free solidly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, and speaking of like L2s and then kind of like EVM cross chain, like I've, does Alchemix, how many chains is Alchemix on right now? And how many of the L2s as well? We have our protocol deployed to Ethereum Mainnet, Phantom, and Optimism. Um, now, Optimism has a full deployment with both AlEth and AlUSD, but uh, Phantom only has AlUSD on it. Um, we're probably going to, um, you know, stop supporting Phantom. Their their DeFi mm-hmm. ecosystem, um, you know, kind of died when you know the whole Andre drama happened, and we haven't seen much adoption. Um, things are better on optimism in comparison and, uh, you know, by having the, the velodrome, uh, you know, voting power and stuff like that, it, we don't have to spend anything on liquidity over there. So that, that's a big bonus. Yeah. I, I mean, the reason why I asked uh, is because I see we're also looking at, you know, I think we're going to be more roll up centric going forward, um, than, than trying to go to the, you know, competing EVMs. You know, like Phantom or yeah, Avalanche yeah. and, and, and mm-hmm. the like. Um, yeah. Just, you know, I, I, we're, we're decidedly ETH maxis uh, at Alchemix. <laughs> nice. it, it aligns with our ethos a lot more than uh, some of these other chains do. 
Yeah, I, I ask because I see yeah. uh, Arbitrum as an option on your, your little drop down here, but there says uh, no strategies yeah, yet. Yeah, we, we have some, some collaborations we're working with to get uh, liquidity over there, um, but we have not deployed um, our Alchemist contracts over there just yet. Um, but it's something that we are eyeing. Uh, that's no secret. Um, we're just kind of waiting for the, you know, for it to make sense for us to go over there. Yeah, um, one thing I was going to ask. Um, well, the key thing I think about this is that we have one low fee option that's viable for our users, at least one, because yeah. when the next bull market comes and eats back at a hundred, you know, guay per transaction, I, I don't, I don't want to price out, you know, people who can't afford to pay the gas tax on, on Ethereum. Absolutely. And I think that's something Ethereum learned pretty quick uh, during this cycle and all the different L1s and all the L1s came out. It was like, all right, it's time for the roll-ups to come out to come out. And like now they're being battle-tested during the bear. When the next bull comes, you know, the roll-ups will be ready to take a hefty amount of those executions. Yeah. Another thing yeah, I was going to... Looking forward to ZK Sync scaling up. Oh, mm -hmm. me too. I think that will be like a real zero to one moment as well. Like once ZK EVM comes out and like the fees are real real low and like seeing like all the possibilities and all the adoption that can come through that yeah i was talking to somebody who's like um you know uh, really heavy in the development on roll-ups and he's wanting to deploy a roll-up on a roll-up <laughs> to enable some really cool uh DeFi gaming type of uh or crypto gaming uh setups everybody wants to be their own chain i feel a roll-up <laughs> people just want to own yeah. their own real estate it's just such an attractive ac option not to consider i don't know has like alchemex thought of that uh, i mean with how much we rely on composability uh, mm. in DeFi, i don't know if it really makes sense for us to go off and make our own chain i mean definitely the temptation is there because l1s or you know chains are are valued with a different framework than DeFi right. protocols you know, um, but, you know, it, it would have to make sense for us to do it. If there's some, some, you know, major infrastructure upgrades that allow people to, you know, use Alchemix chain as a central hub that then can connect to all these other chains and their yield sources, uh, maybe in the future, but, you know, that's uh, definitely beyond the scope of what we're working on right now. We're just, we're trying to, uh, you know, make improvements to our protocol to how, have it be more scalable, to uh, give more confidence in the market as far as pegging and Lindy goes, um, and, you know, being able to take on, uh, you know, handle risk better than we do right now. So those are the things that we're really uh, pursuing. And once we've achieved those things, uh, potentially, you know, we could go in that direction, but there's been zero talk about that internally. You guys have your priorities straight. You know what needs to be done. Yeah, well, we, you know, we definitely have a moat around self-repaying loans. Nobody else has been able to gain any traction with that. And I think us having our AMO and uh, strategic assets in our treasury is uh, really helping us uh, to maintain that moat as well. Um, another question I was going to ask is, uh, what else is in the pipeline for Alchemex in the future? Uh, whether it's like near term or medium term, anything you know you'd like to share that hasn't been mentioned already? Oh man, you're torturing me here. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> give it, give it. 
my team, if they're my team is listening, they're like, no, Scooby, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> if you made it this far, you deserve right. a little you bit. You deserve a little alpha. A little I, I've given you guys, I've dropped a few hints, you know, you, you read between the lines. Um, but one thing I can talk about that has been you know, very open uh, in development is um, the Alchemics DAO. Um, so far, uh, it, it's it's nearing completion. Uh, I know that's been the, the tune that we've been saying for a long time, but really, really, it really is near completion, guys. Um, and really, really, will... really. <laughs> Soon, TM. Um, so what we're doing is a our own unique take on the the V uh, V escrow system, voting escrow system from Curve, mm -hmm. and um, so I can talk about that a bit. So we've you know studied the space and different implementations of it. Um, and so we're going to be borrowing some things from other people. One thing um, that we are going to be borrowing is the um, what Balancer did. So instead of just having the naked token uh, be the basis for the, the V token, um, it'll actually be a Balancer 80-20 pool. So 80% ALCX, 20% ETH. Um, and so that that's part of uh, our goal of, um, you know, being able to reduce emissions while also providing liquidity for, for trading on DeFi. Cause you know, while ALCX is on, you know, uh, most of the major exchanges and most of the volume comes from that, we definitely think that having a DeFi option is extremely important for our users. Um, so like by doing that, we can, you know, have sustainable liquidity, uh, for our users. Um, uh, or for traders on, uh, you know, on chain. So that that's one thing I think that's very important about it. Um, so another thing is that um, one thing I really hated about um, Curve's design is that once you lock for four years, you are locked for four years and there is no way out. And if you're going to try to have your tokens vest and get out, your voting power and your rewards decay over time. So you put in like a million curve and lock for four years, you get a million V curve. But then after two years, that would decay down to 500,000 V curve. Then another year, the, the last year would be 250,000. And then like the last few months, it would practically be nothing. And so by having to, to wait out that entire process and not have any option uh, to get out earlier, um, I think is one of the biggest pain points with it. So what we're doing um, with Alchemix, uh, with our with our implementation, is uh, max lock will be one year, because four years is an eternity in in DeFi. Um, and we're going to be introducing a, um, a DAO specific sub currency. Um, and when you are um, you know locking uh, VALCX you'll get this resource called uh what's well, tentatively called mana it's going to be changed because mana is central decentral lands that right right it. right um but basically this will like it'll accrue as a um just a resource uh it won't be a token in in your um in your account and you can use this uh, you can burn it or spend it um when it's in its non-liquid form to um boost your your gauge votes because we'll have gauges um so you could burn that and if you decide i want to uh, mint this then a certain amount of uh, this token can then be 
burned to allow an early unlock of your um, VALCX position. So even if you didn't have enough time to save up enough to unlock, you could go to the market, buy it, and then unlock. So it creates a an actual market for early unlocks. I really like this innovation happening to VE tokens. I think it's Super much cool. needed. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, I think like not all it's VE tokens or even tokenomics in general. It's not one size fit all. And like yeah. obviously improvements or adjustments can be made. And um, I remember you talking about this specifically. Um, Goodwill Yunting with Xerox Maki, like I think it was like back in December or January. And I was like, yeah, so oh, like I'm super- this is one of the ideas that like, <laughs> this, is, yeah. this is going in. This is going in. This, this is, is gonna, ha- yeah. No, I, and when you said it, I was really excited about it. I was like, okay, this is cool. Like finally, like more innovation happening in DeFi, building on top of like what others have started. So um, I'll be really excited once yeah. this uh, comes out soon. TM. Yeah, we, we've had some uh, internal hiccups. The one dev who was, uh, you know, leading the, the development of it, he, he, you know, unexpectedly just quit. And it's like, okay, what do we do now? <laughs> like, so we then had to, you know, reorganize, divert resources over towards it and kind of, you know, uh, you know, because different coders are working on it, like, you know, refactor and a bunch of stuff. And that slowed us down quite a bit. Mm. It happens. Mm-hmm. The trials yeah. and tribulations of being a builder. Yes. So yes, it's it's never a straight line to to the finish line. Uh, in, in yeah, in development. So yes, hopefully though, like everything is is looking really good and progress has been really good um, as of late. So we're we're optimistic that we're going to be able to get this thing shipped uh, in a reasonable time frame. Got it. Yeah. And, and speaking of like. Well. Speaking of all these, like, you know, uh, DAO changes and such, you know, Yearn is kind of going through all that as well right now. And you had mentioned it earlier that you guys are getting, um, oh, oh uh, you're buying Wi-Fi because there might be V Wi-Fi or something like that. Could you talk a little bit more mm-hmm. about what you think about the Yearn changes and what's exciting or what's kind of uh, troubling for you? No more 30K supply. Yeah, so, like, when, if you lock up V Wi-Fi, um, then like basically it allows you to control gauges and then the gauges will then give boosted yields to different mm-hmm. pools right mm-hmm. so by doing so you know you know we can then you know, if we lock it up and we have influence over the gauges we can then boost the pools that connect to alchemics um and in doing so we can pass along those benefits to our users and if they, you know, they see, oh, I can go to urine, I can get 2%, or I can go to alchemics and use urine and get 3% instead, we're going to have all that TVL flow to us, right? Got it. You know, or it's going to go to the, you know, stuff, yeah. So it's kind of like convex. Kind of like the idea for it is to make us more, you know, our options more appealing. Um, you would also get like, you know, protocol income and stuff like that. So it would be like passive income. Uh, coming from these YFI tokens. So it wouldn't be like a total sunk cost for us to, to do this. We would get residual income that might exceed it over time, uh, the, the cost over time. A strategic so, investment. Yeah. And, you know, like having, uh, you know, like we, we have um, SD curve and that, that streams mm-hmm. us, you know, uh, payments. We have uh, CVX and then that streams us payments. Um, we also have a bunch of, uh, 
uh, SDT tokens, so staked out tokens, mm -hmm. and uh, by by locking those into VSDT, we actually get a boost on the amount of uh, V curve uh, votes um, we control. So we have around like like 3.7 million SD curve uh, tokens. Um, but because we have so much SDT uh, locked, we actually have around four and a half million uh, SD curve of voting power. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Do, do, do you and know also on top of mm -hmm. that, SD curve or uh, VSDT does, you know, stream, uh, is it, I think right. it's their Frax pool, uh, like uh, reward yep. as well. So, uh, you know, there's lots of like, like these investments that help us source liquidity and, and TVL and stuff like that are actually paying us back over time. So they help us grow and to have more cash flow. So nice. And do you know if the V uh, YFI is going to help reduce the, the fee a little bit for uh, uh, lockers? I, I do not know. I was not the mm -hmm. one spearheading this, so I'm not as intimate with it, um, Got with it. all the ins and outs of uh, the V Wi-Fi. Got it. Got it. So, so speaking of all these partnerships, you know, I, I know we're coming to the top of the hour to end the pod here, but I, I want to know what do you feel would be a successful partnership between you and Frax or rather between Alchemix and Frax? I think that there's a lot of potential synergies between um, Alchemix and Frax. If we have um, Frax as a collateral asset, um, for example, Frax could deploy an Alchemix AMO that then has them deposit Frax into Alchemix, mint AlUSD, and then pair AlUSD and Frax together in, our, in the Frax base pool with AlUSD. So it could turn into this really virtuous cycle that allows you guys to scale and us to scale simultaneously. And I think that's something that, like, that would be, you know, my wet dream if that were to happen <laughs> oh. because like I, I had actually talked to sam about that a long time ago and he was down for it but we didn't have a framework for how that would work and frax wasn't a collateral at the time um but now that you know i think frax is a collateral frax it is gotten to a point where you know its reputation has been established and you know, has that lindy and the confidence in the market um that accepting frax as a collateral is something that uh our community was much more open to now than they would have been, you know, this time last year, you know, and yeah, also sure. having the AMO and a pool that's, you know, pairs LUSD with Frax makes this also a lot more possible. So, yeah. Uh, super cool. Cause I, I looked wow. at LUSDs in supply before the call here and you guys are sitting about 175 mil, like your size is size, you know? So definitely yeah. seeing, scaling so that up. Um, in the interest of pure, um, you know, transparency, some of that supply is actually LUSD that's been withdrawn from our AMO. Um, this stuff here is, we're debating internally whether we can be like Frax and redeploy it, you know, to various other initiatives or not. So that's why it has not been burned yet is because we're not sure if we would do those things or not. Um, so, you know, our supply is, you know, closer to, I think like, you know, 70 or 80 million that's actually out there in circulation. Oh, I see. And, yes. and this is the excess LUSD from folks repaying their debt or? 
this is from our AMO at one point was like double the size of what it is right now, but we had to withdraw a lot of LUSD in the in the downturn oh, in order I see, to, I see. to balance the pay. I see. That's yes. where it is. Oh. Hmm. Yes. So our size is is kind of size, but yeah. <laughs> yes. Our size is growing to be size a yeah, little yes. bit each day. We're, we're surviving and we're doing all right. Yes. So yeah, we have, yes, we will be hopefully up there with you guys one day. Dude, absolutely. Let's, let's get a proposal together. And, you know, I mean, obviously after your community kind of digests and you get all of the requests for comments and such, and then, you know, I could totally see this being a very symbiotic relationship and we would like, you know, you know, Sam K is always a positive sum all the time guy. So having another decentralized stable coin that has its own separate mechanic kind of come in and help. Because I would love to increase our decentralization percent by adding like Alchemix to the mix, right? Alchemix to the mix. Mm-hmm. But then that would be something that we could absolutely talk about. Yeah. Yeah. The collaborations uh, that can happen. Hopefully the community really, uh, you know, you know, takes this, you know, this, you know, this uh, request for comment and the the vibe is positive and we can get into proposal and get it working and then, you know, look for, you know, more synergies from there on out. Yeah. Hopefully with, you know, conversations like this, you know, the vibe is checked and it passes (laughs) and we can, we continue with collaborations and more conversations like this. Yeah. That would be awesome. Yeah. And on uh, that note, I think it's a uh, time to get into the lightning round. Uh, yes. This is, this is uh, when we have our, you know, just basic, simple questions, you know. Just trying to get to know you better, Scooby. Just to get to know you better, just a little bit better. You know. So, so uh, the first All question right. we always like to start out with was, when was the first time you touched the chain and sexes don't count? Uh, the chain. Um, yeah. When was your first? Any, um, any, your virgin crypto like, experience. First time I touched Ethereum. Oh no, Bitcoin was. Um, what was it like? Mid two thousand sixteen is when I first, uh, you know, started buying Bitcoin. Um, and then I, I quickly kind of converted to being like you know an Ethereum after that. Uh, in 2017, especially once I started seeing D apps uh, go live. What was the first thing you did on Ethereum? Um, I bought a crypto kitty. Hell yeah, I did too. <laughs> Same. Um, okay. Second question. What is your favorite off chain activity? Like what is your favorite touch grass activity? Uh, Dungeons and Dragons. No, nice. Um, I both yes. am a player and a dungeon master. Um, a master. I probably prefer being a dungeon master. Wow, but we yeah. should totally get Kids together e- doing a, a DeFi Dungeons and Dragons, a DDD, you know. <laughs> DDD. Dungeons and DeFi, yes. Let's Dungeons and DeFi. Um, what is some advice you, you would give to your younger self? Um... Younger self would be to uh, not go after some bullshit degree while you're in university and do something more technical earlier on. Um, I didn't get into tech until later in my life. And I feel like if I was younger doing it, I'd have a much bigger leg up than I do uh, right now. 
Don't waste your time with a liberal arts degree. <laughs> eh, pain. <laughs> Got it. And and uh, I mean, I guess this this kind of tees up. Um, what would you be doing career wise if you weren't in crypto? Uh, I'd be in education. As a teacher? Yeah, I, I think you know, educating people um, is, is something that um, I did before crypto. Um, and I was in that field for a while and then, you know, but just crypto just, just, you know, ignited my imagination too much for me to, you know, ignore it and not pursue a career in it. I respect fair. that. Fair, fair. Um, yeah. Sam K mentioned the craziest answer. He was like, he would work in neurosciences and doing that brain computer link or something like that i'm you'd, just like you'd be doing Neuralink things <laughs> yes and so and he described it in such detail like you could tell like he would be so far in this field if he chose that but yeah. we're in the yeah, timeline where he chose like, this. gravity towards if my like dream job uh, would probably be like a rocket scientist Ooh, that would be cool yeah i i'm i i love you know, seeing the development of the aerospace industry over the last decade with like, you know, SpaceX and now SpaceX, like inspiring a bunch of competitors and stuff like that. We're seeing 3D printed rockets now. Yeah. Like it's, it's crazy. Things are going to get wild. The SpaceX flywheel. Yes. Wow. Big brains, <laughs> big brain activities. Well, th that is yeah. it on my end. Dave, yeah. you want to close this out? If I a oh. degree in my, in my 20s, that's m what I might be doing instead. Yeah. Yeah. You know, get to the moon, what, no matter how you choose, basically, <laughs> whether it's through rockets or through um, other means. Yes. Talking price. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Dave, you yeah. want to sign us okay. out? Yeah. And yeah, uh, Scoopy, thank you so much for coming on. This has been a super fruitful conversation. I hope we have uh, quelled a lot of your community's questions and concerns, um, and I hope even the Frax community, you know, learned a, bit, a little bit more about Alchemex and, you know, future exciting plans and even the wider DeFi community and beyond, you know, got little tidbits out of this and, you know, showing like how protocols can work together to create compossibility and positive some outcomes that will benefit all. Yeah, I'll be looking. Thank you for having me on for sure. Yeah. Um, and I, I really hope this is educational for uh, the Alchemex community and, and also a podcast that, you know, the frack community enjoyed. So yeah, thanks guys. Absolutely. Love to Halloween. bring you back on next yeah, time when everything is, yeah. you know, partnered up. So happy Halloween, man. Yeah. All right. Well, let's do it. Yeah, for sure. Wow. What a pod, Dave. What a pod. That wow. was such a treat, dude. It really like, was like, yeah, I've, you know, I've been following Scooby for so long. Like I remember, when he launched Alchemex, I remember when before it was like cheese protocol and like, it's just so cool to see the evolution. And like, I just love talking to builders that have been in the trenches like he has and like how he's adjusted. And you can tell how much he really cares about his product. It's really his baby and like, and how he thinks about it and how he thinks strategically long-term. And I'm like really excited to see what collaborations happen with Frax immediately and also far out into the future. Dude, yeah everything you said plus how meticulous this man is when even coming to his yeah. questioning i was like okay i trust your smart contracts <laughs> was pretty much my takeaway yeah. from that call yeah putting the smart in smart contracts for sure 
Absolutely. And with that, I hope you guys enjoyed the pod as much as Dave and I did. Please make sure you smash that subscribe button. You know, we passed that comma. We're on the march to 10,000. So please, we need your support. And always follow us at Flywheel Pod on Telegram and Twitter. And I'm DeviDave22 on Twitter. And I'm 0x capital underscore K. And as always, and as always, uh, okay, thank you so much. And as always, everything here is not financial or tax advice. This channel is strictly educational and is not investment advice or solicitation to buy or sell any assets or to make any financial decisions whatsoever. This video is not tax advice. Please talk to your accountant, do your own research. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Peace.